unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David Garfinkel, the highlight of my week recording the Copywriters Podcast. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, let's just jump into it. What are we going to be talking about today? Well, Nathan, great to talk with you and our listeners. And you know something? People always ask me, what's the difference between copy and branding? And my answer is there's no difference between copy and good branding. It's copy and bad branding that are so different. Here's why. Good copy, good copy is not about you or about your product. Really, it's about the customer, what the customer's life is like right now and what their life experience will be once they have your product or use your service. That's what good copy is about. And good branding, it's just really a condensed description of what your customers experience doing business with you, your reputation with your customers in a catchphrase. Look at it this way. You know what a half-silvered mirror is? Like when you can see through one side, but the other side is a mirror. The kind of mirror you see on the back wall of an interrogation room on a detective show on TV. So the bad branders hold the mirror in front of their own faces, and that's what they see. They see themselves, and so does the customer. The customer sees the brander, the marketer. But the good branders and the copywriters hold the transparent side of the mirror to their faces and point the mirror side at the market. So customers see themselves when they look back at the mirror. Nice. And, and Nathan, all this gets back to the topic of today's episode, which is including yourself in your copy. As direct marketing copywriters, we have been sternly warned not to write about ourselves in our copy or not to write extensively about our clients when we're writing copy for someone else. And you know, that's mostly good advice, but there are some important exceptions and I want to dig into what they are and how to use them today. Okay, but first I want to talk about you and me and copy like this. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. Most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. Okay, now let's talk about when to introduce yourself or your client, if you're ghostwriting for your client, when not to and why. Before we jump into that, you mentioned mm -hmm. people, and a lot of times I hear, you want to go through and check and make sure that me, I, we, words like that are not used. Is that kind of what you're talking about when you say people are warned against it and, and uh, what we're going to get into this week on when it's actually appropriate? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Um, when people are, you know, selling their product or service and they're so in love with it and nothing wrong with being in love with it, but they start proclaiming their love to themselves and proclaiming their love of their product to themselves in the copy. That's a real turnoff for a serious buyer. But then on the flip side of that, I see a lot of people that do personal branding and a lot of copy out there that just completely is just 
devoid of personality. And so what I'm hoping to get out of this is, is, uh, or what I'm expecting maybe, um, is how to add a little bit of, of personality to your copy. Is that kind of what we're going to be going over? Yeah. And I'm really glad you said that, Nathan, because that's exactly why I worked up some notes for this, um, this episode. That's, that's where the idea came from. You know, I do a lot of copy critiques for GKIC, um, the copy confidential people and a few other people in GKIC. And one thing I've noticed is just what you said. And I, I don't think it's because people are are being very careful about not using I or me or we in their copy. I think they're holding back on telling others who they are. And it's a mistake. I think they're shy or maybe they have a blind spot or maybe they're embarrassed and that's not the way to go. So what I wanted to do is, is separate the wheat from the chaff, you know, the, um, the self glorification emails and branding that is really going to mean nothing to a customer and is not going to advance a sale. I want to separate that from when it's appropriate and useful and even mandatory to include yourself in the copy. Nice. Because that, that little bit of personality can go a long way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that's different about direct response copywriting from institutional advertising or image advertising or branding advertising is that copy is personal. It's between you and me, whether it's you and me, Nathan, you and me, the listener, or you, the marketer and me being a prospect, a customer, and it has that personal tone. And, and yet you don't want it to come across like a self-obsessed idiot talking only about him or herself. Yeah. It reminds me of like, if you're going on a date, you don't want to be stuck on a date with somebody who only talks about themselves the whole time, but you don't also want to get to the end of the date and realize that you learned absolutely nothing about the person on the other side of the table. Yeah. And, and what I've heard from women, I've, I've heard two complaints and it's really pretty much similar to what we're talking about. Yeah. He talked about himself all night. I couldn't get a word in edgewise versus he was so secretive and close to the vest. I don't trust him. I don't want to go out with him again. So we want to find that midpoint. And, you know, customers are very much the same as their, in their attitudes as the attitude I just quoted. Nice. Okay. So let's just jump into it. Okay, so let's start with what you shouldn't do, when you should not include yourself. And I've seen people do this in sales letters, in emails, uh, not so much in print ads, because people who do those are maybe a little more sophisticated and they're spending a little more money on it, too. But I, I have seen this in some print ads. You don't want to go on long rants about your life that have nothing to do with what you're selling. Now, we talk about a discovery story where you talk about where you were and and maybe a problem you were up against and how you discovered something and how you tried it and maybe how you productized the idea and then tested it out on other people and all that. That's okay. But, you know, when somebody starts complaining about their car breaking down or a bad experience they had with Walmart online or, um, you know, long lines at the gas station, really other than your mother, who cares? And maybe she doesn't even care. She's just being nice to you. So typically, and I've 
been guilty of this, but typically when I do something like that, I try to align it with something that I know that the reader can relate to that's directly um, correlated with what my solution is. Is is that also stepping out of line? No. Okay. Um, I mean, that's good. I mean, and 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 let me let me give you an example. Um, uh, my friend Richard Armstrong, who is just so smart and uh, such a such a, a wise observer about copywriting as well as an A-list copywriter, had a real home run. And I can never remember the headline exactly, which is probably just as well. Um, but it was for a very conservative newsletter where in order to sign up, you had to actually swear a blood oath that you hated Obama. I'm kidding. <laughs> but but I mean, these people were definitely not fans of Obama and by extension of Obamacare. And his headline was, don't hate Obamacare, get rich off it. Hmm. And it did really well. Now, you know, normally you don't talk about uh, politics or sex or religion, you know, um, in, in your copy, except for the fact that the whole market was united in their particular uh, political anguish at the time. And so it was to his advantage and it wasn't for his own product. He was writing in the voice of another, I think it was a newsletter in terms of the newsletter editor, but the newsletter editor had very strong feelings against Obama. And he talked about those in the copy and the audience did. So in that case, it's more of a bonding thing than a celebration of self. If you get the difference. Yeah, but if I'm selling uh, used cars, I don't want to send emails to people complaining about how my Obamacare premiums just went up. No, I mean, the, the first thing that's going to happen is they're going to think, well, he's probably going to be building in his insurance increase into the price of the car he wants to sell me. <laughs> People aren't stupid, you know, they may not be as clever as we are in copywriters, but they're very clever in other ways and maybe more clever than us. So, um, yeah. And, and, and I don't think that's where you're going with this, but I mean, the, the point is you, you don't want to use an email as, you know, a, a tool of group therapy. And if, if that sounds ridiculous, it's not, I've seen people do that. I, even saw the daughter of a celebrity on stage at a, a speaking event, spend the entire time uh, working through her grief about the, the death of her father. And it wasn't pretty. It wasn't funny. It wasn't interesting. It was, I'm sure, very relieving for her. But that's like another example of what people do. Just because you have a forum, don't think you can use it for anything and get the response that you want. You have to be focused again on the customer, not on yourself. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a mistake that I've made myself. I'm I'm willing to admit. 
Well, that's okay. We all make mistakes. I've probably made the opposite mistake. I've been one of those people who hasn't talked enough about myself in the past. And people keep gently tapping me on the forehead with brass knuckles and say, (laughs) David, people would like to know a little bit about your life besides copywriting templates and, um, you know, big ideas. And yeah, yeah, I know what they want, but I didn't. And actually, you've sort of brought it out in me to talk a little bit more about David, the human being. So, you know, uh, it's, it, you know, we, we all have uh, things we can, you know, adjust a little bit to, to make our overall presence and our specific um, promotions more effective. So let's, uh, let's continue on some of the other ones. Uh, obviously, politics is a, is a, touchy, uh, a touchy topic, especially nowadays, more so than ever, it seems like. Uh, what are some other things that you might want to, unless they're relevant, exclude from, from your voice inside of your copy? Right. Um, so, yeah, politics can be dangerous. Um, your opinions on culture, pop culture, music, on sports, on current events, and other, other things. Now, I mean, I don't know. If there's something, you know, there's a, a trial of a pop star or something, and you can use that as a hook, as, as your lead, as your opening sentence to transition into, and, and you can put your opinion about it, and you can transition it into a pitch, that's fine, as long as you can make it fit. But going on and on about it, uh, current events, sports, you know, people get pretty passionate about sports. I say people, I do too, about my, my college team. So, you know, uh, the, now, Am I saying never talk about those things? I am not saying that. In a blog post, on a Facebook post, um, when you're talking to your group, your community, your friends, these rules are not nearly as strict there. They're not as constricting. But if you're trying to sell something, you really want to, you know, parse it out very, very um, stingily. Uh, If it's not going to help you sell anything, then don't do it. And it's not going to help you sell anything unless it frames an argument that's related to what you're selling. And when it comes to a strongly held opinion, your target audience would need to share that opinion that you're expressing or you're just working against yourself. I like that you said, don't go on and on if you're going to use it to hook somebody, because a lot of times a current event or something in politics will be attention grabbing. And if you can take it, what I what I tend to do in my email marketing and some of my posts is I'll take some of the marketing tactics that politicians use. I'll lay them out and then quickly transition into what this could mean for you in your business and how you can use the same tactic or how the, how it can have the same effect on your market. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a way for me to kind of vent some of my political educational material, quote unquote, and also tie it into a way that people can improve their business. Yeah. And that's the right way to do it because, you know, like him or hate him these days, we cannot avoid paying attention to politicians. It's just not possible for most people. There's just too much going on. And so, yeah, to open up with that. I mean, one of the great things about that is if you don't spend too much time on it, it's going to incite emotion, positive or negative, and you need to uh, knock someone off dead center emotionally, you don't want them reading your copy in a totally calm, unemotional state. So 
just to start things as a little blasting cap, fine. But as, you know, four boxes of TNT, not so fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a great visual. Do you have a problem with Kindle books? I do. Sometimes I really just want to hold a book in my hand so I can turn the pages and highlight stuff and make notes. That's one reason I recently released the print version of my book, Breakthrough Copywriting. And listen to this. On Facebook, I've gotten pictures posted from around the world. Pictures of people holding their printed copy of Breakthrough Copywriting in their hands, including one from an A-list screenwriter and marketer in L.A.'s famous Topanga Canyon. He was reading the book in his hot tub. Breakthrough Copywriting is a great book for you, whether you are a beginner or an A-lister yourself or anywhere in between. It costs a tiny, tiny fraction of my $5,000 a head seminar that the book is based on. So check out Breakthrough Copywriting on Amazon.com. Now, back to the show. Let's go ahead and continue. Okay, so uh, another thing that you don't want to do, I, I guess I would call it oversharing, oversharing in your copy. You don't want to just throw in information you think will humanize the copy, but it actually detracts from the sales momentum. Personal info that ties into your offer is good, and we'll talk about that in just a sec, but randomly trying to humanize your copy because some tangent came into your mind is a bad idea. Um, you you want to stay pretty focused on uh, emotional and factual information that's going to move the sale forward. Okay. Hey, yeah, I was going to say that's something you constantly are telling me. Nathan, does it move the sale forward? If not, exclude it. Yeah, it it sounds simple, um, and it is simple. It's not always easy, though. Here here's another thing: people who have made it through life by getting very high grades at school, maybe being a valedictorian or graduating with high honors, people who have gotten really competitive jobs at, at large companies, they tend to think that the resume, that the overwhelming people with impressive information is good. And in a school situation or in a corporate hiring situation, it can be. In copy, it's just the opposite. You can bore people to tears. You don't want to do a long resume-like recital of all your credentials, degrees, certificates, trainings. And if you're a very dutiful conformist male, the fact that you were an Eagle Scout when you were a teenager, unless it's relevant. But when they, those things don't apply to your offer, leave them out. Leave out the fact that you were, you know, in the theater club in high school. Nobody cares. Well, maybe your mom does, or maybe she's just being nice and pretending that she does. So what you're trying to do, remember, what you're trying to do is make a sale, not get a job. And I kind of imagine like the old, the old saying when it comes to writing in general, show it, don't say it. If you, if you're the guy that walks into the party and you just start listing off your credentials, you're just going to bore people. But if you're the guy that walks into the party and just shows that you're a cool guy, you're going to get a lot more attention. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Dale Carnegie said um, to be interesting, be interested. In other words, um, 
I've had this experience. I imagine you have too, Nathan. You have a lot to say, but you're also an excellent listener where you meet someone and you ask them a question and they can't shut up. And then you ask them another question and they're talking to you for half an hour and you've said maybe 20 words. And then they look at you and say, you're a great conversationalist. And they go off to find someone else they can tell their life story to. Um, now, obviously, um, as we're going to get to in the next section of today's show, there's some things that you do want to talk about. But remember, if, if there's one thing that goes underneath always advance the sale, the thing to remember to put there is it's always about them. and them or they are your customers. All right. So when, when is it appropriate to, to include stuff about yourself then? Okay. So the most important thing is don't, don't take my point about a long resume like recital of your credentials and swing too far in the other direction to the point where you, you know, make yourself a blood oath I will never tell anyone anything about me again. It's always just about them. No, that's not right either. Because once you have made an offer, once you have made a claim, rather, maybe the offer comes later, but once you have made a claim or a promise and you've given at least a modicum of information that shows you know what you're talking about, people are going to go, whoa, wait a minute. Who is this guy? Who's talking to me? Who wrote this letter? Who are they? What have they done? Um, why should I trust them? Why should I believe them? So how do you answer that? You answer that with relevant credentials. And the difference between relevant and irrelevant is this. The fact that you got a degree somewhere is probably not important unless you're selling you know, a very intellectual product, maybe, you know, some teaching, maybe some kind of legal thing. I guess everyone would like it if you went to Harvard Law School, right? That's a educational credential, but it's also sort of a uh, a unique brand um, that creates a lot of awe in people. Generally speaking, customers don't care about the stuff you put on a resume. What they care about is where you've been, what you've done, what you learned how to do, what struggles you went through and what obstacles you overcame, specific things related to the benefit you're going to give them in your offer. So if you're teaching a martial arts course, it might be interesting to know that you studied with the one sensei who is renowned in this particular type of martial arts that um, you're teaching that no one else has access to. And maybe the fact that you got a black belt or that that this uh, sensei allowed you to teach some classes, that would be interesting. The fact that you can run a mile in less than five minutes is not interesting <laughs> or even less than four minutes. It's not interesting if you're not going to be teaching people how to run. We don't care that you are the most extraordinary physical specimen since Adonis. What we care about is do you, we, the customers, not you and me, Nathan, but the, the prospects, what they care about, what we care about, people reading this is what have you done that shows you know what you're talking about? What are they, you done? What have you done that shows you learned how to do this? You know how to do this. You're better at it than I am. 
and you have something to show me, to teach me. You have some value to give me. Does that explain the difference clearly to you? Yeah, I think it does. And I just had one point of clarification. You said after you make the claims, people want to have a little bit of credentials to kind of back up or give proof for that. What about front-loading credentials? I've, I've heard that, and we do it on your podcast even, we start off the podcast, you're listening to the Copywriters Podcast with the, great, with the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. We don't front-load an entire resume, but we give a tiny, tiny bit of credential up front to keep people listening. Is, what's your opinion about front-loading credentials versus waiting until after you've made the claim? Well, a, a couple of things. This this is a podcast. It's not a sales pitch. You know, we do have little mid-rolls or commercials in there, but basically it's an entertaining and educational experience. So I think the rules are a little different here. Secondly, uh, actually, we do start with the listener, the first two words, you're listening to. But your, your point's well taken. I think in some cases it works, but generally with a sales letter, so let's go back to my my favorite uh, whipping boy, Harvard. P- people have done very well with saying, you know, Harvard doctor reveals why um, the medical profession is wrong. You can sometimes put some credentials up front, even in a headline that will will capture attention. But the beginning of your copy damn well better be mostly about the prospect and his life and the benefit or the pain or the uh, danger to avoid if you want to keep people intrigued and listening. So if you're going to do it, do it very sparingly. Yeah, and do it very selectively. Make sure that whatever credential you're going to put in there is going to be sufficiently stunning enough so that the person will keep reading or that they won't go. So what, you know, um, you, you might say uh, mail order law school dropout tells you how to beat a parking ticket. Well, no, right. <laughs> you know, Oh, guilty on that one as well. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. So what else to include? Well, this is along the same line, your experience, it, it might not be a credential. It might be an experience. You know, I mean, uh, let's let's take the martial arts thing. If you if you were scrawny and and um, shy as a kid and you used to get beat up all the time and that's the reason you went to study with this sensei and, you know, sort of it's sort of like a karate kid story. Right. That would be interesting. Again, not in great depth, uh, but enough to, you know, especially if people can identify with it. I mean, I guess the world is divided into three classes, bullies, people have been bullied and people have managed to stay out of both sides of it. If, if you're in the people who've been bullied category and you'd like to finally be able to stand up for yourself and stop taking shit from other people, that kind of experience would be a very appealing to you. You could bond with the person. Uh, another thing is conversations that you've had with other people. And the key words in that last phrase are other people. When you're talking to other people about your offer or about the situation, in other words, a lot of people have told me that they wanted the print version of breakthrough copywriting. Mm. And 
um, I thought, you know, that makes a lot of sense. That's a lot better than, oh, uh, I decided to put this in print and you better like it, right? I mean, that's a little a little overbearing and a little obnoxious just as an example. So talking about conversations with other people, it's sort of like a, a more casual way of doing a testimonial or a case study, but it does involve you because you were one of the people having that conversation. It does. It involves you and it involves the social proof element as well. Good point. Yes. It, it is a form of social proof that will slip under the radar to everyone who hasn't listened to this episode of the copywriters podcast with the world's greatest copywriting coach, David. Oh, sorry. I got <laughs> carried away. <laughs> That's all right. So, uh, when I guess, why would people want to hear about you or your product or your service? Well, think about it. You're going to buy something from someone you've never met that you might've heard about someone probably you've never bought anything from before. And so other people are in the same boat. So they want to know a few things. They want to know if they can count on you, if you're trustworthy. Well, you have to find out something about the other person, the person selling you something to find out if you can count on them, if they're trustworthy. Another thing is they want to know if you know what you're talking about and what your track record is, is what you are selling something you have competence in. That's really important. Because there are a lot of scammers out there. There are. And they want to know if you do your homework. That is, have you really done the study? Have you really had the experience? Have you really had the training to qualify yourself as the expert that you claim to be? Those are the kind of things people want to know. So any information that will directly tell them that or indirectly imply that is probably good to include. So it seems like if you are going to include stuff about yourself or if you're going to be writing for somebody else and you're going to include personal stuff about them, the goal of it should be to kind of have that nudging off of the, off of the fence, overcoming some objections uh, aspect to it as well. Yeah, I love what you just said. So here, here's another way to phrase it. Every time, just, just like John Carlton says, every word of copy needs to earn its place, which I agree with, I think is brilliant. You want to look at this in the same way. Every time you mention yourself, it needs to have a sales purpose. It needs to do something to move the sale forward based on the list that we've gone through in today's episode. So yeah, if you do that, I think you're okay. And you should do some of that. People don't like to buy from ghosts. Yeah. Especially nowadays where we've seen so much distrust in big corporations. We've seen so much distaste for the impersonal connection between a giant corporation and the end user, people really are starting to turn more back towards wanting that personal touch with the communications between them and whoever they're buying from. I think you're absolutely right. And that brings to mind another thought, Nathan, that when you put this information out there, you put your name out there, you let people know um, who you are and that you are personally standing behind your company and the claims that you're making, there is a level of accountability there. One of the biggest problems people have with large corporations is a complete lack of accountability. 
Uh, nobody really knows who's responsible. You can never get through to that person if you made the huge mistake of trying to call them on the phone. So, yeah, I, I think that's another way that all of these things provide some reassurance of accountability that you're willing to say the buck stops here. David, this has been a fantastic episode and just so much knowledge and insight and a really fresh way to look at it. Uh, I've learned a lot and I appreciate it. I know the listeners have learned a lot as well. What do we have coming up next week? Well, as a matter of fact, you know, we were talking about when you're uh, writing copy for a client, you're really uh, ghostwriting for them or writing in their voice. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about writing in your client's voice. Awesome. That'll be the perfect continuation of this week's episode. I can't wait for it. Thanks again, David, for everything that you provide. Listeners, thank you for tuning in and we will check you next time. Okay. See you guys next time. Thanks, Nathan. Before we go, a quick question. Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on garfinkelmedia.com, and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to garfinkelmedia.com and fill out the form. That's garfinkelmedia.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriters Podcast.